What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another week. Dawkins on Duke. This week we got uh, our first member of uh, the Brotherhood and the Banners, retired Jersey Club, uh, Mr. J. Will. Um, really excited for you guys to hear this conversation. And uh, as always, make sure you comment and subscribe to the podcast. And if you like to watch the interviews um, as opposed to listening to them, head over to YouTube and uh, subscribe there at the Field of 68. Um, that's where we post all of our exclusive video content. Um, yeah, and reach out to us on Twitter uh, at the Field of 68 and me at Dre underscore Dawkins. And uh, let us know what you're thinking. Let us know who you want to hear from next. Um, hopefully we can try and get them. Um, but yeah, hopefully uh, you enjoy this one and uh, we'll see you on the next one. All right. This week we got a special guest, um, first member of the uh, Brotherhood in the Banners, I guess. Uh, first member of the Retired Jersey Club. <laughs> I like the way that sounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Mr. <laughs> Jay Williams. What's up, Dre? Oh, man. Appreciate you coming on. Man, all love, bro. Happy to be here, man. Your family. So whatever we got to do for each other, man. For sure. Um, all right. So start the podcast off the same way every week. Um, what was your welcome to Duke moment? So mine was in 90, 98, 99. Sewell was my host. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, Sewell now being a coach, I have to be careful what I disclose. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he wanted to keep know. his job. Exactly, politically correct, but like, you know, Sewell, man, was was one hell of a talker, though, because, uh, you know, that was when, that was when Duke was rolling. I mean, that's when they had Elton Brand, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, William Avery, all those guys were there. Uh, Corey McGetty was coming in the following year in 99. And, um, man, like, just, you know, being down there with those guys and running with them, I just, I never felt something like that before, like, I had known Elton because we played against each other when he was at Riverside Church, mm-hmm. AU Ball. So I was like, EB already had my respect. Uh, William Avery kind of busted my head open in that open run. I was like, all right, like I want to go against somebody like that every day. Yeah. And just the, the way that team rolled, man, like they were they were the team yeah. like that following. Like they were that squad. So for me, going down there, kicking it, sleeping on Seawell's floor, uh, going out <laughs> a couple of nights – uh, having a good time, I was like, yo, this is, this felt like it was big, but it wasn't overwhelmingly big. It still felt small. And for me, like, I knew how my mind would work. Like, I would get lost if I was in someplace like Ohio State or a big university. So I walked away from that experience being like, and I got my first tattoo on that trip. Oh, and man. I, I thought I was going to get this big line on my, ta- on my, on my chest right. So they did a whole outline of a lion and they put that needle on my chest. And I was like, no, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they gave me like a little small, like, like I'll be show you. Maybe like, like a little small cross. Uh-huh. Uh, so for me, like, it felt like home, man. It was yeah. home. Um, so going back before that, <clears throat> grew up in Jersey. Um, what was that like? And when did, um, when did basketball become like a, a big part of your life? I mean, hoops was always there. I played every sport growing up. My dad had me in tennis. I played soccer. Uh, you know, I didn't really become fixated, fixated on hoop until like my freshman, sophomore year of high school, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, it is. 
Um, but my, and the reason yeah. I, is my dad was like, yo, you got to play one sport, man. Like, I'm tired of taking you around to all these damn practices. <laughs> Soccer here, volleyball here, tennis there. And then, I, I mean, I was already into AAU ball, but it just became, you know, ball became my life, Jerry. Mm-hmm. And uh, when ball became my life, it just, but I never kind of believed in myself. It was kind of weird too. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, people always like, oh, yeah, I'm but I, but I never, I'd even get, you know, state player of the year, uh, like until like my junior, senior year, like I was always being beat out. There was always somebody better than me. So I didn't come with all these accolades like everybody else. Yeah. Uh, but probably like my freshman, sophomore year of high school is when it clicked. Okay. And going back to like you <clears throat> not believing in yourself, when when did it kind of click for you and say, okay, I, I can be pretty good at this game? I mean, when it really clicked was my sophomore year of college. Really? Rank with you. Yeah. Um, I think when it when it pseudo clicked was probably, you know, look, man, like I got McDonald's National Player of the Year, right? You would think that person would click for them there, but I also yeah. got it because I felt like it was more of the package. It wasn't just, hey, like I had like Jonathan Bender in my game that literally went like top 10 in the draft. Yeah. Um, Broke Jordan's scoring record during the McDonald's All-American game. So I was like, oh, well, Jay, you're the McDonald's National Player of the Year, but you also have like a 3-7 GPA and, mm-hmm. you know, the All-Honors Club and all these other things. So I was like, man, I kind of got this award because of all these ancillary things that I've done in my community and schoolwork that garnered me that award. So I, I felt it a little bit then, but I still didn't feel super confident. It didn't happen to me, really, really happen into my sophomore year. Okay. Um, so you mentioned you're having that GPA in high school. What was it? Why was it important for you to have, you know, to keep your grades at a high level? Um, I know for me, uh, my parents were like, look, uh, basketball is cool and all, but uh, you better keep them grades up. So I wonder if it was something similar for you too. Yeah, because, you know, I feel you on that, man. Like, I didn't want to be – I'll be really real with you. I didn't want to be a dumb jock, man. Yeah. Like, you know, my, my parents always talked to me about that. And my dad worked in business, so it was always, like, you know, one of the most valuable lessons I got because I was – you know, I never knew if I was going to make it to the league, but, you know, you always, like, kind of stump when you look here, like, yo, I'm going to get you a car, mom. I'm going to do all these dope things. We're going to fly on, you know, G4s and get boats and – you know, um, all these silly things. And my dad always talked to me about, well, okay, like, well, how, how much money does the first pick in the draft make? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. He's like, oh, you always talk about being the first pick in the draft or a top 10 pick. You know how much money they make? So I think I, from a younger age, I started to get programmed about that if I get lucky enough to go into that world, um, I should be prepared to think through what will be entailed in that world. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's where I always saw education. Um, but, you know, like, look, man, like focusing on history, um, you know, didn't do it for me. Like math, I was like, oh, OK, like, that's my money. Like, that's where I kind of I kind of try to converge those two worlds together. Yeah. Um, so getting to that, you know, level of high school where you're the <laughs> national player of the year and all that. What did you do throughout high school? You know, how did you get better? Did you have a trainer? Was it just you just going out there and just being on the court uh, by yourself? Like, 
what how'd you get better in high school man dre like it so i'm the old man it's crazy that it feels like yesterday i was 21 years old and now i'm about to turn down there 40 uh, <laughs> it's wild dude i can't tell you how quick it's happened it's um all that wasn't like the game back then. You know, yeah. now I feel like kids from the time they're younger, they got the personal trainers, you got the skills coaches, you got nutritional things. Like I grew up eating cheese eggs, yo, and pizzas <laughs> and, uh, you know, kicking it like that. It, it wasn't the same. But I, I also was a gym rat. Yeah. But like to me, like being in the gym was a way of staying out of trouble. Mm-hmm. Like it kind of, my whole story arc is epitomized by that. Whenever I have free time, Dre, I got into, am I allowed to curse? Yeah, yeah, sure. I got into dumb shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like uh, when my mind started wandering about like, oh, I don't got practice or I don't got schoolwork. Like I might have kicked it with my, my boys on the corner and playing for New Jersey, right? And I knew what they were doing. I wasn't doing it, but I was still kicking it. Yeah. Like, why are you even doing that, right? It just, this uh, dichotomy between how people perceive me because of my grades and I went to a predominantly Caucasian school, but then in my town, it was predominantly black, right? So almost the way in my town, like I would try overly hard to show that I was from that town because I was always called the sellout or the uncle Tom to a degree. Mm -hmm. So like, how do you balance that? So for me, like, you know, being in a gym was a way I just kind of, it was a safe haven. Yeah. Because my, my game gave me my credentials. Mm-hmm. So if I worked harder on my game or like five-star camps or things of that sort, like I just, I was a kid that always dreamed. I was always in the backyard taking skills that I had learned from these camps and just applying it. And just, I just always stayed working. It was yeah. relentless, I guess. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the camps and stuff. That was kind of, that was like one of, the most fun parts about summer for me was going to different camps and things like that in high school. Did you have a, a favorite one or a favorite memory from uh, one of those camps? Man, uh, Pit for Howard Garfinkel. I don't know if you ever went to five star, but um, they know, were kind of phasing that out when I was. Coming yeah. Out. See, I'm an old head. See <laughs> how it happened. Um, Every morning, like at 6.30, Howard Garfinkel, God bless his soul, rest in peace, would play like Frank Sinatra. And if you would wake up in a cabin in the Poconos or in Pitt, Pittsburgh to Frank Sinatra blasting at 6 a.m. morning. Like, <laughs> and like, there were these things called 6 a.m. workouts. Yeah. Right. So I would always see like kids be like, man, I ain't going to workouts. I'm tired. It's too early. And I will always be at the workouts because they were always like the ball handling sessions, yeah. right? Where you learn about different moves. And I just, I remember always being the dude on the court because I loved it. I loved to work. I don't know what it was, but there was something about for me, like I wasn't, I wasn't six, five. I'd have crazy athletic ability. Um, people weren't talking about me like the next phenom. So I always had some kind of slight, like uh, one of the guys that was a guy in my year was a guy named Josh Moore. He was like seven feet tall when he was like a, a freshman or sophomore in high school. And he was going to St. Anthony's and it's like, oh, he's that, this guy. Nobody was talking about me like that. Yeah. So for me, I always saw those type of dudes be like, man, I want to get that. So in right. order for me to get that, like I have to work harder than all these cats. So like finding out more about myself through that kind of work during those camps 
And then like being able to apply the stuff that I learned in those workouts to in games. And it just, I got, I don't know where it came from, Dre. Then just one day, just kind of like, it just yeah. clicked, man. Yeah. It clicked. So I, I assume your recruiting process was kind of hectic. I'm assuming you're getting calls from all over the place. So what was that like? And how did you, how did you narrow it down? And what schools did you narrow it down to? Yo, my going into my sophomore year, I'll never forget this. My sophomore year of high school, like mid-season, I imagine like, you know, something like 19, 20 points a game, nothing crazy, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember my high school coach, um, who was my dude, my boy, uh, Mark Taylor, who was like, yo, man, you should really, he played basketball at Fordham in the Bronx. He was like, you should really think about committing to Fordham. You know, and I was like, Fordham, like in my mind, right? <laughs> like in my mind, I'm like, man, this dude is tripping Fordham. Like I'm trying to go to the best of the best, but also my insecurity, right, Dre? I'm like, yep. man, like, should I go to Fordham? Like I was getting letters from like schools like Belmont, some of these smaller schools. And then all of a sudden, man, like after my sophomore year, it just, it just skyrocketed. Like, uh-huh. I started getting recruited by, uh, you know, uh, Dean Smith at North Carolina. I'm like, what? Like, Dean, I used to wear, like, I used to wear, like, those Vince Carter shorts back in the day, right? Yeah, I like, yeah. go out and try to lower the rim to, like, six feet and do all the same dunks that Vince is doing. <laughs> um, like, UNLV started recruiting me. Roy Williams uh, started recruiting me when he was at Kansas. Um, you know, and, and like, Johnny Dawkins started recruiting me at Duke. And I was like, yo, what is – like, what is going on? But, like, also, man, like, my background, like, I grew up in an environment in which my parents had some issues um, from a domestic violence perspective a little bit, a lot of troubling times. So, you know, Rutgers was always somebody that was very close to my heart when they started recruiting me because I, I didn't want to go too far away from home, man. Like, I wanted to stay as close to home as possible. Um but so, like, man, it probably, it probably came down to, like, you know, North Carolina stopped recruiting me because they had Ronald Curry that was coming in and Joe Forte. Yep. Bill Guthrie's kind of, like, had seen me more as a, as, a, as a point guard, more so than, like, a scoring guard. Kansas kind of fell off because I was too far away from home. UCLA, I couldn't do it. was way too far. And it kind of yeah. came down, like, you know, Duke, Notre Dame. Rutgers and then my dad loved Georgetown, but John Thompson had retired. So yeah. You know, Craig Escher was was a new head coach around the time. I wasn't gonna go there. So probably came down to those schools, man. Okay. So <clears throat> fast forward, you choose Duke, get down there. And um great decision for us for sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh and then um uh, as a freshman, you know, you start every game. Um so which is not normal, especially at Duke. So what adjustments did you have to make as a freshman on the fly, like as the season's going? Because um, obviously Ray, college is so much different than high Ray, school. You know this. You know how hard that was. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, you know the man that coached us and um, how relentless is within his approach to be great every day. Like, yo, know, I, I played small forward in high school, Dre. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was I was posting cats up in high school. Yeah, yeah. Like banging, getting rebounds. Like yeah, when I went to Nike All American game, I played point guard. And I was diamond people up. But like I, I never had to handle any of that. Yeah. So my freshman year was like, I was a, I was a deer in headlights the whole year because I just reacted. I was I was at my best when I reacted. I never had to think the game through. So all of a sudden now I'm coming to a situation where I have a guy who is one of the greatest coaches of all time that played point guard for Bob Knight. Yeah. That thinks like a point guard all the damn time. I had Johnny Dawkins, one of the greatest scoring guards in the game who has obviously thought the game through. Um, Woj was like coming on the scene that time. To, it's Woj, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like really, like, you go back and you watch video. Woj like slapping the floor, yep. sliding, turning you three times before you get to have. I never turn nobody. I'm like, go ahead, bring the ball up, dude. Come on, man. Like, I'm gonna try to outscore you. So for me, like, I never knew what conditioning was. I never had to be oh, yeah. an extension of the coach on the floor before. I didn't know how to talk to people. You know, like yep. Shane was like, come on, Jay, talk to us. I'm like, what do you want me to say? Yeah, Shane? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Like, just go play. Like, yeah. You know, this line, this line, ready? Come on, let's go. I'm like, no, uh-huh. one more dude says, yeah. come on, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to lose my damn mind. Yeah. Um, so for me, I was kind of like, I, it was tough for me, man. I didn't know how to handle it all. Like, I didn't know how to pick my spots. I didn't, it was just like, whoa like is this even what i want like my my freshman year was honestly like my first couple of games were at madison square garden where we started off zero and two like following the year before dre like we just lost in a national championship to uconn yep. in 99 mm-hmm. so now all of a sudden you know Corey mcgetty leaves william avery leaves elton brand leaves trajan langdon graduates but it's like this mass exodus and there were communication yep. issues between the way those guys left and coach k and what he wanted them to do so all of a sudden, like myself, Dunleavy, Boozer, Casey Sanders, Nick Horvath, like we're the freshmen all of a sudden starting again. It's a lot of pressure, man. Yeah. Um, so I, I was just – I was all over the place my freshman year, man. And I, I didn't even know, like, am I allowed to have fun? Yeah. Man, like, dude, dude, like, I never got this kind of attention. Yeah. Like, people trying to talk to me. I, I, I It was just – I was just all over the place, man. I was disoriented my freshman yeah. year. I can leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a culture shock. Uh, I know it was for me because, you know, in high school, you don't talk. You know, there's no talking on defense. You just play, kind of like you said. You just go out, you play. We're better. We're more athletic. We'll win the game. And, you know, that's it. (laughs) Um, And then at Duke, it's, you know, it's completely different. And, you know, it's definitely necessary. You got to be able to talk on defense and communicate and stuff like that. So, yeah, it was was definitely different. When was the first time Coach K tested you? Like he challenged you? How did he do it? Do you remember? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Remember like it was yesterday. Um, we were. It was a walkthrough before preseason game. Like one of the D two teams we played in preseason walkthrough. I'm sure you one. walking through it like it's Final Four. <laughs> yeah, well, I learned to um, <laughs> very quickly. But yeah, it was like then. Um, he stopped doing it like I think my junior and senior years, but we would do walkthroughs just like off the street. So, you know, you didn't change. We just because we we're just walking through stuff. So you have your jeans or sweats or whatever on that you had on. And um, 
so, you know, I'm obviously doing the scout team stuff, running their plays. And for some reason, I have my hands in my pocket. And coach goes, stop. Get in here. And I'm like, oh, and I, that's when I really, you know, it was it was it wasn't a conscious thing. Put my hands in my pockets. I just did it. And that's when I realized, oh, shit, I got my hands in my pocket. So I tried to, like, take them out real quick. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so I got a little cursing out there and uh, <laughs> I won't repeat every word he said, but yeah, um, I never put my hands in my pockets again during walkthrough. So uh, I guess lesson learned. <laughs> I got I got turned out my freshman year. We had lost to UConn in our second game because we lost to Stanford in our first game and we lost to UConn in our second game. And we were on the bus after we had landed coming back to Durham. You know how it is, Dre. When you when you lose, man, oh, it's yeah. like it's oh, a yeah. death in the family, man. Ain't yeah. nobody talk. Nobody, nobody talks. It's super heads quiet. down. Yeah, like I used to, you know, look at the top of the bus and Coach K's like, damn it, like watching tape. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yo, <laughs> and Dre, I'll never forget this. My phone was in my bag. Oh man. Yeah, you see, you already know. What <laughs> Yo, my phone went off. And I was like, oh, ah, 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 I couldn't find it. And like all these dudes, whose phone is that? Whose phone is that? And I found I turned it off. And I'm like, you know, like coming from high school, man, like, you know, high school was like band of brothers, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Like Duke was next level band of brothers, but high school, like you always did dumb stuff. Like yeah. nobody, like Jay, right? And I remember phone up, he's like, whose phone is that? And I was like, I didn't say nothing. I didn't <laughs> and Shane, Shane was like, look, I was like, come on, bat. Come on, bat. Come on, bat. And I felt the pressure. I was like, oh, it was my code. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've never, I've never thought, I've never felt the wrath of a person like that after just yeah. somebody's phone went off, right? Yeah. But from that point on, I can tell you, I, 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 I used to turn my phone off, like off. Yeah, like, yeah, power absolutely. Off. Yep. Like, I'm not even playing with it. Yep. So absolutely, I remember that too. Um, meetings, film, whatever in the locker room. I used to tell the freshmen, turn them joints off. I'll oh, turn them vibrate. I'm like, dude, turn nope. it off. Oh. <laughs> I ain't about to run suicides. No, all day because no. you're outside to have your phone on vibrate. Exactly. No, you're not going to do that to me. <laughs> Um, so going into your sophomore year, um, it was much more efficient. What do you think was the key, um, to raising your efficiency? Were you just more comfortable or you know, some things you changed about your game or anything like that? It was a combination of things. Number one, I think I finally like got the rhythm of, oh, this is how we practice every day. This is how we lift every day. This is how hard we think every day. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think all that stuff was taxing on me around my freshman year. But also, I mean, two things. Number one, my, my running mate came in town, mm-hmm. Steve Dew. Yeah, I was going to ask him too. Yeah, and, and that's my, that's my, Dre, you know, that's my homie. Yeah. Like, Steve Dew was my, my brother. So, like, there was a, there was a lot of pressure that all of a sudden came off of me mm-hmm. to not, think the game all the time because CD was already so good at thinking the game that he kind of took on some of those responsibilities. And I'll be real with you, man, that the biggest thing is that, you know, between my freshman and sophomore year, I, I didn't go home. I stayed. 
Yeah. And Johnny Dawkins and I started working out every day. He's like, yo, I want you to make 500 shots a day, make 500 J's a day. So I just started going to summer school and training every day. Mm -hmm. And like, I think one of the things for me, I always said, tried to be so hard because coach, when he recruited me, was like, yo, you're going to be like the next Bobby Hurley. You're going to, you know, be this type of leader. And almost in a way, I have a little bit of this rebellious mentality, which probably is what got me in trouble later in life. Um, but it was kind of like, I worked my ass off so hard that summer that I'll, I'll never forget. Like Johnny Dawkins was like, yo, you, if you come here, you have to take it. Like nothing's going to be like, oh, this is yours, which is interesting to see how like, you know, like major superstar freshman to a degree now, like one and done. Like that's changed a little bit. Yeah. I still think Coach K makes you take it, but it's different kind of level that comes in now. Yeah. Um, so Johnny was like, yo, you got to take it. So I'll never forget, like it was that first game against Princeton. And Shane was like, yo, we're going to run this high LA set. And like, yo, I never came off looking at the rims, right? Like, I always came off, like, where am I going to dive? How am I going to turn the corner? And I had lost, like, 20 pounds because I played my freshman year, like, a 205, like, 210. And now, all of a sudden, I'm, like, 190. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I came off, and I saw the rim. I was like, yo, I'm just about to let this thing. Just fuck it. Yeah. And it, it, was, it went in. And I was like, yo, I can wait. I can wait. I can score? Like, and I looked over at the – you know, you – I'm sure this had to happen to you, Dre. You remember that moment where you do something and you like you shoot a bad shot and you like Hell yeah, I had that moment. <laughs> yeah. I gave a quick look like Yeah, I'm looking to see if anybody getting up off the bed. <laughs> and and K- I made it and it was a bad shot and K didn't say nothing. I was like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> oh, oh shit. I can and from that point on, man, he just kind of he started to let me go. Yeah. And once he started to let me go, I just, I just ran away with it, man. It was just, it just felt dip, but we all signed a squad though, Dre. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. We yeah, had, y'all were nice. I mean, how would you, uh, how would you guard me and involved in the pick and roll with Shane Battier? I got Dunleavy on the wing. I got Nate James on the other wing. Mm-hmm. And I got C dude. I could play off and now I got booze too. Yep. Right. Yep. Like it was, we had so many options and everybody can shoot. It's almost like, I feel like we were like, like a college version of the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. You know, so it just, we had too many options. It was fun. Yeah. It became fun. Yeah. Yeah. I remember um, we had a play off this flash action to a dribble handoff and it was for you to come off the dribble handoff and, and get downhill. You know, me, uh, I get some. Sp- I'm just gonna shoot it. So <laughs> you can so, shoot that thing. Yeah. So I'm just coming off, and I'm shooting in practice. I'm just shooting it. And so eventually, I made enough to where I was allowed to shoot that, and nobody else was allowed to shoot it. Like coach, literally in practice, was like, Dre's the only one who, if we call this play, Dre's the only one that's allowed to come off and shoot it. No one else is. So mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's kind of like one of those things, you know, you were talking about, you, you know, you kind of look over and you're like, okay, I guess I can do this. <laughs> so yeah, that was, that, so yeah, that just became my play. I would come in, come off the handoff and just shoot it. Um, yeah, I remember when your game started to expand though, Dre, like it was a problem. Yeah. So we're like, you like, was like, oh, he's a shooter. And I saw he started putting that thing on the ground. I was like, yo, Dre, like, but that takes a minute to get there to showcase that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. 
We'll get back to the show in a minute, but first, let me tell you about our partners over at DraftKings Sportsbook. With March Madness beating down our door, DraftKings is the best way for you to get a little action in on the game. If you have not downloaded the DraftKings Sportsbook app yet, what are you waiting for? It's the safest, most secure, it's reliable, and it allows you to safely deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. And this week, they're offering my listeners a pretty sweet deal. If you sign up now with the promo code FIELD68, you can turn $1 into $100 if one of the main events fighters in UFC 259 this weekend lands a single punch. That's it. One punch to turn $1 into $100. And don't worry if MMA isn't your thing. DraftKings Sportsbook offers odds and promos on basketball, hockey, whatever sport you're watching. But since they're basically giving away $100, you may as well sign up now. Watch a little UFC. And remember, use the promo code FIELD68. That's F-I-E-L-D-6-8. Must be 21 years or older. Offer available for a limited time only. Eligibility restrictions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, let's get back to the show. So, O one one team, um, as you mentioned, was pretty decent. Um, what was... Uh, what was you guys' level of confidence heading into the into the tournament that year? It was it was high. Yeah, it was high. It was like, oh, we gonna, like we're about to win. Like we're going into do only one thing to win yeah. it. Like, uh, but that's every team though. I feel like even if you don't, but I just I felt like that year there were a few teams when we kicked it into a different gear that we didn't feel like. We could be like Maryland was our biggest rival that year. Yeah, we getting into Maryland. We're gonna get there because we played there, you know them four times. So yeah, um, and there was a lot that went into Maryland too, like like Steve Blake and Juan and Chris Wilcox and Lonnie Baxter and all these guys. But like they were probably one of the only few teams that, and we even felt different about them because when we when we started really playing D, like when it we started like scattering around and playing passing lanes. Like teams couldn't really run their sets, so mm-hmm. we felt really confident that year going into the tournament. Plus, the way we kicked the tournament off, like we just came in beating people's head in. Yeah. Like it was like, and I don't know for some reason, those first four games, like I just I was hot. I don't know what the hell was going on. Like I felt good that whole year, but like I don't know if you felt this during the run there. Like it didn't matter like what I felt like I put up. Like I felt like the ball was going in. Nobody could tell yeah. the ball wasn't. Yeah. Going. You just Until had to we shoot got to the it. Four. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Then the ball wasn't going. <laughs> All right. So, final four uh, heading into March. Uh, one of the best March comebacks of all time. Um, down twenty-two against Maryland in the first half. Let's go through that game. What the hell happened? Why were y'all down twenty-two? And how do y'all come back and end up winning by double figures? Well, look, it's it's no, uh, you know. CC Chris Collins used to always fuck around with me because he would be like, "Man, J Dub, you had a you had a quadruple double tonight. You had fifteen <laughs> turnovers, right? Like, it was great. I, my game, like, either I was on or I was really off. Yeah. Um, and I'm I, obviously like look our energy level, but I I was just really bad, man. I was I was bad in the first half of that game. Um. But it, it was always interesting, man. Like, it was that psychological thing with Maryland. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if we're down 24, if we're playing Arizona in that Final Four and we're down 20, like, I don't know if we have the confidence that we can come back and win. Like, mm-hmm. 
I'm sure we would have tried. We would have felt like we did. But, you know, against Maryland, we had, we were down 10 with a minute left to go earlier that year. Yep. And I got hot and we came back and we won, right? Then they come back and they beat us on our senior night at home mm-hmm. in Cameron. And then we're down double digits again in the ACC championship. Then we come back and we win that game too. So, you know, when you win two out of three games where you've been down double digits, you come back and win. Like I remember Shane said it during the huddle during the halftime. He's like, yo, if we kick into another gear, they can't rock with us. They can't yeah. play with us. So we just came out in that second half just feeling different, man. And it just, when we kicked into that different gear, like they couldn't run their sets again. And we just felt like we psychologically had an advantage on them mm-hmm. because we had done it before. Mm-hmm. And all it took was a small run for them to recognize, like, it's about to happen again. Mm-hmm. And when you got that crutch, man, like, we just ran with it. Yeah. So during that game, as you guys are coming back, you get down to 11 at half. Going in the half, did you feel like, like, yeah, they feel us and they know, like, because I, I don't know, it's hard to explain if you haven't been in, in games like that where, like, especially big comebacks, you can you can feel that the other team, yeah, feels like, oh, this, uh, we're not, we're probably not gonna win, even though they're still winning, they know what's coming. Did you feel like they they knew that going into the second half? I mean, I'm, I'm never going to say that Maryland knew that they were going to lose. Like, Steve Blake was – I hated playing against that dude. Yeah. Like, And I love him because Steve Blake and I roomed together five-star camps in USA basketball. Um, it just – like, let's go through it. Like, Steve Blake or Chris Duhon, who are you taking? Um, Duhon. Myself or Juan Dixon, who are you taking? You. Shane Battier or Terrence Morris, who are you taking? Shane. Lonnie Baxter or Carlos Boozer, who are you taking? Maybe a wash. Lonnie was a, Lonnie was a monster for y'all. Don't know Lonnie. Lonnie was Lonnie a monster. was a monster. I'm with you on that. Lonnie was a monster. Um, Mike Dun- I'm still taking booze. Mike Dunley or Chris Wilcox. Um Dunleavy. So, like, at the end of the day, they were a good team, but we didn't feel like we were a lesser team than them. Right. But we felt like we were more talented than them. Mm-hmm. So, for us at times, it felt like when we became a little bit fractured and when guys tried to do too much or if I just turned the ball over a ton, we weren't – our talent was better, but we just weren't collectively as a team. But if we – if we collided both of those things together, like our talent and our team discipline, we felt like we they weren't better than us. Yeah. Right? Like, they had to have the perfect game, it felt like, to beat us. Right. Whereas we felt like we had a little bit more margin for error, mm-hmm. which we proved out. And so I, I think during that time, like, when we started to make that run, it was like, yeah, let's go. Like, this is who we are. We know mm-hmm. we're this team. Yeah. We just got to play the next 20 minutes at this level. Yeah. And if we do, we don't think they can beat us. What was – um. What were the timeouts like in the first half? What was? <laughs> I mean, I know you said we can curse, but I ain't trying to go about the curse. Yeah, moment. yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, be real with me. I don't. I don't remember a lot of them, but like, there's mm-hmm. always just they're just you know you you get there and it's first off, 
like playing in the dome was different for me. Like I never, yeah. it's, you know, that feeling, man, like when it was loud, like I couldn't hear myself think like, you know, you're trying to use hand signals for plays and stuff. It just took a certain level of acclimating to that because we mm. didn't play. The only other dome that we are, I ever played at in my life was at Syracuse where I lost my freshman year, um, you know, to Florida. So it was just different. Like, I, and, and they had came out hot, man. Like, they had came out making shots. Meanwhile, my ass is going up, and I go up for my first shot, and I'm like, yo, where is the rim? Yeah, oh, my yeah, God. Yeah. Like, I'm just seeing Stan. I'm like, yeah. like, just like a dart. So, like, it just it just felt different. Um, and Kay was typically, I mean, he's, he's always intense, but I think during that first half, he was just trying to get us to calm mm. down, like, in his own Coach K way. Yeah. Right, which is still somewhat intense. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you feel like he kind of had that same feeling that you were talking about? Like, look, if we just play, we'll, you know, we'll be fine. If we play like we like we should. I'll tell you, I mean, like that Maryland game, the first game that we played against him at Cold Fieldhouse, when we were down, like I stole the ball, like I made a layup, I stole the ball, I made it three. We came in the huddle, it's like, we're going to win this damn game. Mm-hmm. We're going to win this fucking game. And I think from that moment, it was just like, he always gets you, you know, this feel like there were certain things in my life that like, I still try to harness his energy for, mm-hmm. because I felt like there was nothing I could not accomplish when we were behind him. Mm-hmm. Like he made me believe in things that I would never believe in myself. Mm-hmm. Like there is, and Ky- like Kyrie just talked about this the other day. He was like, you know, and his, his post-game presser, he was saying, you know, I believe in something bigger than myself. Like, that sticks with you, man. You know, it, that's that's 90% of the battle, believing that you actually can do something. And uh, he was always great at getting us to that point when we didn't believe in ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I feel that for sure because – I remember times coming to the bench and I'm like, man, this is, you know, this game's rough. Yeah. And he's like, we're going to win. And I'm like, okay, yeah, we're winning then, I guess. (laughs) I don't know how, but (laughs) it's not looking like we are, but he said we are. So I guess guess we, guess we winning then. Yeah. Yeah, Sure enough. Yeah. Sure enough. We go out and find some way to win the game. (laughs) I don't, yeah. I don't know what it was. I don't know if he had some kind of something, but. Yeah, he would say something, and you'd be like, "Okay, yeah." Whatever juju that was, I wanted some of that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, win a national championship. Um, were you player of the year that year? National. I snuck. Year? I snuck in one, like the National Association of Basketball Coaches, but Shane got every other one. Okay. Um, so, you know, first team All American, grab a player of the year award, national championship. I'm out. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, what? Yeah, how did you? Uh, how did you come back after that? <laughs> you better than me, cause you know I, I'd have changed. I'd have changed my phone number. Y'all wouldn't have been. You know. <laughs> well, I, I try to give you a little bit of context, right? So I mean, that's only two years removed from this whole mass exodus, man. Like, mm-hmm. where? So I'll tell you this moment that it kind of it got me. I, I got like, and I, I didn't know how to backpedal it, but I've never told a story before. So like. We win a chip when we come back to Durham, and we wild. we're wild. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No you class, already know what's happening. No class, no nothing. Nothing. I'm wild now. I mean, <laughs> I'm, 
I'm drunk every day. Like, yeah, what are we doing today? It did not matter. I did not care. I'm over at Carolina on Franklin Street. Like, what? Come here. What's up? You good? We got chip. Um, so we come back and we have our um, we have our celebration, right? So you know we're inside Cameron. Cameron's packed. It's crazy, mm-hmm. and you know. K's up there. It's, oh, you know how Cameron when it's wild, right? You oh, the yeah. whole building moving. Shane gets up there. He says his words. You know, Nate gets up there. He says his. Because, like, you know, they're they're about to go off into the sunset. Seniors, champions. Then they're like, you know, my my chant I had back then was, you know, Jay will, Jay will rock you. Mm-hmm. Rock you. Like, I was like, so they started this chant, right? I wasn't expecting to get up there and say nothing. I don't know right. what I'm going to say. <laughs> So I get up there and I'm like, yeah, I'm st- I told you we were going to do it. And they're like, one more year, one more year, one more year. You know, and in my mind, I'm like, what, 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 what do I am coming back next oh, year. Oh, like, man, oh, they got damn. you. <laughs> and I said, and I, I remember I got off, I was like, Mom, I don't know why. I don't know why. I said it. And um, but you know, like once again, man, like I was, I was insecure, right? Like I didn't know, you know, like I'm getting calls from people, like you know, I get a couple calls from like you know a two hundred two number. It's like MJ asking about different things happening because he was kind of a player with the Wizards and mm-hmm. what they were doing. And I just, I started talking to Coach K about it, and I didn't feel like I was. I didn't feel like I led that team, mm-hmm. right? But like to be real with you, like I should have left. Like I should have been a top pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. But I, I didn't maturity wise feel like I was ready. Now, I mean, you tell me how my life worked. I mean, I graduated from school in three years. I had my accident. I don't know if one year really makes that much of a difference maturity wise. I think right. I'm curious how my career would have been if I did get drafted number one overall that year to DC. And I start my career off with Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. Like what that tutelage would have meant to me as opposed to, and I love him. He's my boy, Jalen Rose, right? Like mm-hmm. Jalen Rose is my bet in Chicago. Michael Jordan would have been my bet in DC. Yeah, yeah. That's the difference. Yeah, that's right? not, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's no, um, that's no, no shade of Jalen. That's no just, yeah, 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 yeah. That's no shade of Jalen Rose. That's, that's Michael Jordan. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it's you can't have, you, yeah, you can't have a better, uh, a it's better different, man. but you know, I, we already kind of put together this plan. Like, Hey, I can graduate if I overload my courses. Mm-hmm. I wanted a team to be mine. And I kind of fed into like, you know, maybe if I have a year to pay my own bills to a degree, like live off campus, you know, maybe try to be more of like a man and like, mm-hmm. this is my team moving forward. Um, you know, I, I decided to go that direction. Um, yeah. It was still, a, it was a, it was a, it was a great experience. Like my junior year was a great year. We didn't win it, um, but it was my team and, you know, Dunleavy myself and, 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 do, and do and, and booze. Like it was our squad. It was just different, man. It was different. So, yeah. No, but I still, you know, I wouldn't change things because my life worked out the way it was supposed to work out. Yeah. Um, what was, what was your mindset, or what was it that you going into that year? You, okay, I know I'm coming back. I know I'm going to graduate. This is gonna be my last year. Um, 
what is it that you were trying to accomplish going into that year? I wanted to win every damn thing. Yeah. I wanted to win. I felt, you know, I told you, like, I was never that kid that was, like, the guy. Mm-hmm. So I think there was always, like, who is the guy? Who can I measure myself against? So it was like, oh, I got one national player of the year. Fuck that. I want to win every national player of the year. Mm-hmm. Oh, we, you know, you start making these narratives up. I'm like, yo, the last time we won back-to-back championships, they won it in Minneapolis and then Indianapolis, right? And I was like, yo, we just won our last one in Minneapolis and the next championship is in Indianapolis. Like, yeah. we're about to do this again. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to do it again. Uh, and, but I wanted this one to be a team that myself and Dunleavy and Booze led. Like, mm-hmm. we led. We were the Shane Battier senior-like moment. But I tell you, it, if there was ever an omen that kind of set the tone for that year, it was that summer, man. Like, I was like, you know, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm staying down here again because I was overloading my courses. And then I broke my third metacarpal in my, in my left hand, dude. And I started freaking out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yo, this is exactly, you know how it is, Dre, like agents, runners, all these people have like been around me and my family for a minute. But, and Duke had tried to do the best job to kind of wean those people off. But like, you can't. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can't, man. Like, it's the next. Yeah. And I was like, see, I told you. Like, I t- so I think for me, like, it was. It was hard because now all of a sudden, like, do I lose my draft position because I'm yeah. hurt? How will that ultimately affect my earnings? I don't care what anybody says, you know, as much as Kay tried to say, hey, like, you know, throw yourself into what the team is doing or you're thinking about the draft. Like, how could you not? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Like, how life, could you? Life changing money. The whole. And like, it made me appreciate that even more because. I mean, Bat's draft status really skyrocketed his senior year, but like to manage all that, like people coming at you, your draft status, are you doing what's in the best interest for the team? You know, I also, you know, and doing I talked about this is kind of like weird. I'm like, me coming back another year, like, does that whole do back from do being a do? Right. Does it hold other people back from them, like, you know? grabbing the torch and taking the mantle. I got, I know how everybody else felt about it too. So yeah. it was kind of like, it was kind of like a, a turbulent, weird year in general. Like we were still hooping. We were still that team, but there's just a lot of factors, man, going yeah. like booze is getting, you know, he was going to get drafted. That was his last year. Dunleavy was hooping. Like he was going to be a top five pick. Like there are a lot of things that came into that year. Yeah, for sure. Um, where would you put this is gonna be a tough question. You might get some text about this one. Where are you putting um two thousand one on the all time uh Duke list? I mean, I think we're top three. I think we're top three. I think uh you know a ninety one ninety two team just because of the accolades that they got. Yeah. I mean, back to back. I mean, G Hill, late Bobby. Yeah, that's I mean, why it was just so stacked. Stacked, <laughs> super talented. Yeah. Um, and that '99 team, man, loaded. Yeah. I mean, Avery, Elvin Brand, Corey Maggette, Trajan, Sewell, Bat, Kenny, Mike Chappelle. I think. Yeah. Um, they're one. They're about. Three points away from being just one of the best teams ever, period. Ever. <laughs> and I was like, they, I mean, I was at that game. I mean, it was like, 
it was like one of those games right, where like UConn wasn't as talented mm-hmm. as Duke was, right? Just team wise, they were a little bit more. I was Khalid Amin, um, Rip. yep, Jake Bosco, mm-hmm. all those like you know, like, yeah, that's right. Rip was on that team. Damn, mm-hmm. legendary Rip. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. So it's, I, but I don't know, man. Like I, it's just. I mean, think about it, like time wise. I mean, like I went to. Bat went four the year before. Dunleavy went three. Booze turned out to be a perennial all-star. Booze probably got, I mean, paid the most out of anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, done. Probably. I mean, um, Duke played in the league for a long time. Yep. Um, that's a pretty good star in five. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I don't know. All right. Got one more tough one for you. Are you the best Duke player ever? No. No? G- no. G- hell no. You know, okay. I, 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 you know, talked to him randomly, but even like Kai, even though Kai was only there for like 11 games, I remember seeing him do shit. I'm like, you know, I can't do that. Yeah. Like, I, could, I could, I can't do that. I yeah. This Kai was, yeah. Kai was different. I mean, I remember like as soon as he got there, first couple practices and I'm like, this dude doesn't – he shouldn't be here. It's no. not fair. <laughs> it's no. Not, he should not be at this level. He should go skip straight to the next level, man. Who plays 10 games and is still the first pick in the draft? Yeah, it right? was crazy because, like, they would – you know, just to make things fair um, in the preseason, you know, they would put Kai and Nolan on opposite teams. You know, they put them two on the same team. It's not fair. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Nolan was – Nolan can go. Yeah, I had watched Nolan the year before, and then I knew him going into that year. I was like, he's he's you know he's a monster, and Nolan will tell you himself. Kai was on a whole another level, and Nolan was and you know without Kai that year, Nolan averaged twenty five five All American ACC Player of the Year, all that good stuff, and you know in practice like he, he none of us had nothing for Kai like. He's going, he's coming off. Of, I remember, dude, I remember this one. He came off a ball screen, tried to trap him, split the trap, uh, goes up and gives one of these to one of what? the plum leaves. Yeah, one of the plum. They're swiping at it, can't get to it. And I'm looking and I'm like, what are we supposed to do? Like, we can't do anything about that. Nothing. Nothing with that. <laughs> Man. And then uh, I remember he, when he was coming back, he was doing a scout team uh, for Hampton. Oh, that's the worst. When he's on the yeah, he's on the scout team. So it's like I'm I'm on a scout team with him, and you know how scout team just like just in general, you just get to just kind of do whatever. Yeah. And so yeah. you know, so 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 you get a little bit more con. You know, you're not worried about like messing anything up because it's like whatever. We're doing scout stuff, and um, so we're just having a ball. We're killing the we're killing the starters because Kai's just going crazy, and so we run one of Hampton's plays, and he does something crazy and scores. And coach goes, you know, because we all look at coach because we just kept scoring. So, you know, we're looking at coach and he's like, don't worry about that. Their guy can't do that. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> uh, but I don't I don't know who the best ever. I mean, G Hill, Shane probably had the most like storied career. Yeah. Like, yeah. All time winning us, you know. There was a player who I really appreciate because it's really funny. Like if I had stayed my senior year, like I would have been the same year as JJ. Uh, but one of the things I've always appreciated about JJ is like, you know, years later, 
Like this is this is where like this is this is only Jay. JJ is so like linked to me. Like, like they're both mm-hmm. similar like personalities. So like forget like you know I've been out of league for a while. I'm doing TV and stuff, and Jay's in the league, and we're somewhere in, in Durham. And Jay's obviously in, in the NBA, and Jay's like, Yo, Jay, well, if you just stayed the fourth year, do you think do you think I would have do you think I would still be the scoring champ? And I was like, Jay. <laughs> Like, I rock with you, man. But, like, just that question alone, like, I was like, all right, JJ, you know what? You got, you, got, you got that in you. you got <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. I, I like that. You yeah. got that in you. I, I, okay, I see you. I like that. <laughs> so the, answer, I, the answer is no, though. It's all good, man. I mean, he, he deserves it. He's one of the best shooters the game has ever seen. Oh, so. yeah. yeah JJ, was, JJ was awesome to watch. Um, so, <clears throat> um. I want to talk about, we got a couple minutes left. No, it's um, all good. We can go over, we can go over a little bit, Dre. Cool. All right. Um, obviously, um, with the accident and everything, your basketball career ended earlier than you wanted it to. Did you know, did you have a plan for what was next post-basketball or had you even not, not even thought about it yet? Man, you don't make me take a sip of uh, my drink on this one. <laughs> um. Nah, man, I, I, um, I was so fucked up, Dre. Yeah. It was, uh, I don't know what I was thinking, man. Um, you know, for me, you can only imagine like becoming that guy that I never Mm -hmm. thought I could become. Mm -hmm. And I finally felt like after my rookie year, it kind of felt similar to my freshman year in college. I was like, how do I figure this out? Like, you know how it is, man. Too like, there was no togetherness I had in the league. It was yeah, I was by myself. Different. Yeah, yeah, I was by myself, and Duke had been so like I had teammates that I rocked with, mm-hmm. that I kicked it with, and um, so towards the end of the season, I was kind of like, you know, I got to do my own thing, and I started to play a lot better and started to believe in myself, and because I, I felt like I could score against anybody, it didn't matter if it was AI, Kobe. You know, Jason Kidd, like I had triple double against Jason Kidd. I was like, yo, I feel like I can do my thing here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for that to happen, because ultimately it was a decision that I made. I was just, I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about anything. Like I spent a lot of time just really being lost because mm-hmm. I felt like I had, I, because of my poor decision, not only did I hurt my dreams, but also like, parents man like my mom and dad had sacrificed a lot for me to get to where I was at and you know for them my mom was like you know meeting people like Arnie Duncan who became Secretary of State and yeah. Obama like yeah. my dad was involved in different businesses and we we're going to do all these different things together I'm making life-changing money man mm-hmm. you know like I lived in the same building as Oprah like she was a floor down from me I'm like Hey, Miss Oprah, like literally leaving the crib, going to a game, like, wow, I'm in the same building as Oprah. Like, and it's a dope building. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then for all that to kind of go away, and I, I rented a house literally next door to Coach. Um, it was just one of the toughest things I've ever had to go through in my life because I had to live with my own misery mm-hmm. of what I had done. Yeah. So I didn't really have a plan, man. Yeah. I was kind of just floating aimlessly. Yeah. So after that, a few years down the road, you get the ESPN um, 
what's that journey been like going through ESPN, you know, starting a new career on television? Um, wait, what has that been like kind of going through the ranks uh, ESPN all the way up to, you know, now you got your own show? It was really hard at first because I was, I was doing some dumb ass games. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was doing like, I was making 35, like $35,000 a year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the hardest parts was, you know, I was only a couple of years removed from playing college ball. So, you know, people will still recognize me, but people would also be like, you know, I still kind of had like a limp. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just such a dichotomy, Dre. Like I went from, okay, like, yo, we want to go to Vegas tonight. Let's get the plane to a couple of years later, going to Oxford, Mississippi to call a game and walking through first class limping like to the back of the plane, you know, with, to the, to the B seat in between two people with my crutches, yeah. like, you know, <laughs> yeah. trying to, trying to hype up kids that I knew, I knew I was still better. Than mm-hmm. Like, I was like, yo, I, I, why, why would I hype this dude up? Like he ain't that nice. Yeah. But I think it was, it was hard for me because I still wanted to play. Mm-hmm. for the longest time um i tried to come back and play that didn't really work but i, I think I, I really started to take it seriously when i started to get called out and doug gottlieb you know one of the most talented guys there was in college basketball still is literally i felt like embarrassed me a couple of times because i didn't know what i was talking about it's like one thing like you know jay if we're talking about the nba and i'm asking you about the sacramento kings like if i'm on air with you like, if you don't know what you're talking about, I'm not going to expose you right. on national TV. Like, I'm going to be the fam to you. Like, after the show's over, like, yo, Dre, look, man, like, this team is led by De'Aaron Fox. Like, Buddy Hill, like, it might not work out for with him long term. Like, he might be traded. Like, I'm going to talk you through what's happening. Like, yo, you need to put in a lot more work. Like, don't put yourself in these type of positions. Mm-hmm. Whereas I felt like, for me, Doug Gottlieb, tried to call me out, but I didn't spend all my time studying the nuances of every team in the ACC and the Big Ten and the Big East and the Pac-12 and the, the Big 12. Like, I didn't know all that shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt like he tried to embarrass me. And I think that's for me, like when it really clicked, like 25, 26, years, I'm going to take this shit seriously. Because mm-hmm. you ain't going, it was almost like I felt like I was as a player again. Yeah, yeah, you became a competitor again. Yeah, yeah like, oh no, like, okay, oh, you're the guy? Mm-hmm. Oh, like, okay, like this guy's the guy up here. Okay, cool. Like I start getting targets and I think I started building things out and then studying it. And then I think once I learned the nuances of how to do TV and I felt comfortable with the knowledge, then I started to learn how to be myself, which is a mm-hmm. whole other process, right? Yeah. Feeling comfortable to speak how you would speak or want to do things the way you would like to do them. Yeah. So then you, um, you get to college game day. Yep. And you have your signature uh, <laughs> Superman kind of jokes. Where, yeah, where, where did that come from? Man, that, like, yo, the best, the best form of flattery is imitation, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, dude, that, that came from the real college game day show. You know, it came from my man, Lee Corso, put it yeah. on the, the hats. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I would watch it because I also love business trade. So I'm like, man, damn, like. Home Depot is a major sponsor. Like how much is Home Depot paying ESPN per year? What kind of brand activations is Lee Corso doing? 
because he came up with the stick, right? He's known for the stick at the end of the show. And I paid attention to college game day basketball and it was a good show, but there was nothing that nobody kind of played to the crowd. Mm -hmm. Nobody kind of created like these energetic like moments. So I'm like, man, Lee Corso's doing that. Like, I got it. I'm just going to rip off my jerk, rip off my shirt and reveal the team and not, uh, not care where I'm at. Like, mm-hmm. I was at Duke and I picked Carolina, right? Like, yeah, I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you about that. I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> As you roll your eyes. Too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but then I just, I was like, yo, I'm just going to mess with people. I'm going to have fun. Like, that's when I recognized, like, all oh, like the E and ESPN does stand for entertainment, entertainment. too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, that didn't sit well with some people. Duke and Coach K sometimes, but <laughs> also, like, I also recognized when I was at that point, Dre, for a long part of my career, I'm like, yo, Duke's going to win the game tonight because of this. Mm-hmm. And people will kill me online. You're a Duke homer. You always pick Duke, right? So in my own mind, like, it got to me a little bit. I'm like, maybe I need to kind of pick against Duke sometimes. Yeah, like, yeah. So now I'll pick against Duke and be like, oh, this is three weeks in a row he picked against Duke. Even though if Duke had been like one and three, I'm like, oh, like you're trying too hard to show that like, you're not one of us anymore. I'm like, yo, I'm damned if I do. Mm-hmm. I'm damned if I don't. Mm-hmm. Like I might as well not care and just tell you actually what I really think. Yeah. Like not holding any allegiance. Um, so I think after a while, like five or six years, I got comfortable to the point where I was like, all right, like, yeah, the entertainment side, I started working with brands to build it out. And I started just telling people how I really felt, regardless mm-hmm. of how they felt. Yeah. Did you, so how many suit were you actually ripping the shirts up? Like how many sh- shirts are you going through <laughs> doing that? Man? I, was, I was going through uh, you know, two shirts a week, man. <laughs> but I mean, look, the, the best investment is when you invest in yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, like I didn't even have a shirt deal, but I, you know, I was getting, I was like, look, man, I got to get this $9.99 shirt from Walmart. You know, I got to do it. You know, mm-hmm. it might be extra baggy, but I was penning it, making it tight. Yeah, tight yeah. It, like it was spitted. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, um, and then throwing it out when it was over. But yeah. it was it was my stick, man. That's yeah. how I started to get known. So um, just one pick in particular, 2010, uh Carolina at Duke. Uh, Carolina, so funny, bro. Carolina's about 500. Duke is, uh, you know, 30 and five or something like that. Um, how, how do you, how, how did you come up with Carolina's going to go to Cameron and beat Duke that year? Who won that game? Uh, Duke did by 33. I think it's still the biggest blowout in Duke, Carolina. Are you, are you sure? I think <laughs> Carolina that game. I'm not sure. I need to see footage from 2010. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure it was a um, it was a conversation in the locker room post game. Like, what the hell is Jay doing, man? <laughs> um, you know, for me to sit here, sit up here, Dre, and act like like there were sometimes like I didn't know, man. Like, I always threw, I always threw records out the window when it came to that rivalry. Because I knew how intense it was. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. But I'm also not going to lie to you. There was also a part that sometimes, like, I liked messing with Duke, man. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was it was fun for me. Because, like, everybody got so sensitive around it. Mm, you know you're going to re- you're gonna get a reaction. But I, I think around, like, the 2009, 2010 era, like, all my picks, like, 
See, I'm a little bit crazy, man. Like during that time, like a lot of my picks were wrong. So the team that I usually picked to win ended up losing. So there'd be a lot of times, yo, like where like I would get on that train. I'd be like, look, man, yeah, Carolina's gonna win. Please, man. Please, <laughs> please, be please let this be true. <laughs> and then if Duke will win, people are like, oh yeah, we told you we're gonna win. I'm like, yeah, you guys are right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're doing a little reverse psychology. <laughs> so like for me, like I, it was like almost like a game I started playing myself. Like yeah. I, but like I never took any of that stuff personal, but that's crazy. Like I try to think about myself as a player. Like I always took that stuff personal mm-hmm. as a player. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, man, it's part of the gig, bro. Yeah, no, no, I, I know, I understand, man. Look, I mean, y'all talked about I that didn't, in the locker room. I, I think I'm pretty sure we did. I'm pretty sure we brought it up. Um, but you know, it's whatever. <laughs> we won the game. That's all that matters. Who cares? Uh, who anyone picked? No one picked us to win the championship that year either. So. <clears throat> well, I, dude, that 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 was that was one of the most magical seasons I think Duke has had. Yeah, dude, I think you guys really went on one of the most magical seasons Duke has ever had. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, that was special. Yeah, for sure. Because basically played five guys most of the years. So. Yes, y'all did. <laughs> yes, y'all say? did. Uh, but yeah. Um. So now, uh, twenty twenty one. Um got your own show yeah so what is it have you thought about that like you know especially in that time slot um for me growing up that was mike and mike every morning and you know going to school you know with my dad we're listening to mike and mike you know i'm about to get in the car i'm like oh i wonder what mike and mike are talking about uh, about the game last night this that and the third so have you thought about that like having having that time slot and and you know, kind of taking over, like, for Mike and Mike, who were icons at ESPN. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I spent a lot of time thinking about it. First off, I mean, there's some drastic difference, differences, man. Like, Key and I are two African-Americans mm-hmm. on a morning talk show. Like, and Zubin is brown, right? Like, it's uh, that's a that's a really big difference. And I think one of the things that we've been trying to do is not be afraid to share our experiences, even though our experiences are drastically different from the set of experiences that the last couple of co-hosts have had, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, Dre, you and I look at things differently as opposed to a middle-aged Caucasian man. Yeah, for sure. It's just the reality of the matter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if that relates to athlete empowerment, speaking more from the athlete perspective, um, being able to address issues that are uncomfortable. Like, I think that's how we're trying to change the game. And I think that's important. I think it's important because, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, you know, like Kyrie made this thing about, it's funny, even how like you have to think through how you articulate a point of view to your audience. Like a lot of our audience is in the middle of the country. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine when issues like George Floyd came up, yep. uh, people didn't want to hear your perspective on that. Right. Like they didn't want to hear, right? Even if it was affecting basketball, like all oh, the ratings are down, mm-hmm. all these players, Black Lives Matter, how can you support that movement? All these different things, people weren't used to having context. So like, so for me now, it's like, how do you change the wording in order to make it somewhat less abrasive, but make people still understand. So I'll give you an example. Like last night, and I agree with him, 
Kyrie posted a picture of Kobe. He's like, yeah, I want Kobe to be the logo, the logo right? And he's like, Black Kings built the league. Mm-hmm. So, like, there are two things there. One thing is Kobe logo, yep. right? Which I'm like, yo, I'm all for Kobe logo. Like, I'm with it. Mm-hmm. And then, but then there's the polarizing comment. Yeah. Black Kings built the league. Now, regular fans here, what do you mean? Why does it always have to be race? Right, yeah. Yep. Right? But for me, I'm like, well, a lot of black players did build the league. It's true. It's a true statement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, I was talking to my wife about this same thing last night. And I was like, I, it's interesting because it's like, like you mentioned, it's polarizing, but should it be? Because it's, it's a it's a fact. Fair. <laughs> but when when that's in a post, yeah, and you can't provide context to it, mm-hmm. think about things on social media. Millions of people will see that reverberate through social media, whereas 005 percent of those people will hear the full context right. of what Kyrie meant right. at a post game presser a day later, right, or a night later. So for me. It's like, you know, how do you say, I'm like, yes. Like, and I like try to expound upon it. Like on, on ESP, I'm like, yes. Like a lot of black players did build the league, mm-hmm. but that's not my, my reason for having Kobe as a logo. Right. It's because he's Kobe. Right. It's a Kobe thing. Mm-hmm. So like, cause we live in a world now where like you can't have two competing thoughts in your head at the same time. Like, yeah, it, it's, you have to be one or the other. Dre. Right. Yeah, and that's, for sure. That's for not sure. how life works, man. Like, no, not at all. A lot of gray area like, in like in real life. Yeah, man. Two things can be <laughs> like, yes, black players can build a league and be kings of the league, and, and yes, Kobe can be the logo at the same time. Right. Like, those two things can live in the same space. You just have to find the depth to understand that. Right. So I think sometimes now being able to go on my platform, like, yo, like, let me explain this. Right. And try to give it a different meaning. Like, I feel like that's important, man. I feel like that's important. So. Yeah. I love what I'm doing and it gives me a platform to keep building out my businesses and things that I'm involved in. So it's a hell of a wake up time every morning at 2.30. I was, dude, I that was my good. next question, man. You got, you're on air at six. You So you said you get up at 2.30? Well, yeah, because I can't stay up to watch all the games. <laughs> it's wild. People are like, they're like, oh yeah, like the, the Jazz and the Lakers play tonight, prime time game, ESPN, 10 o'clock. It was 7.30. I'm like, I'm like, yo, I need to, I need to go to bed. Yeah. So the only way I've known how to do it is like if I wake up like at 2.30, 2.45, and I go on League Pass, and I watch the game back on League Pass, I can fast forward commercials and kind of like take my notes, watch a couple of games, watch a lot of highlights, like read articles for an hour. Also, by the time we get to 5.15, we're having our pre-production meeting. Mm-hmm. Like I've been up for two and a half, three hours. Like I'm, I'm ready. Like I have yeah. a whole – they're like this whole book I have, like it's all the sports. I got NFL, I got NFL, hockey, basketball, I mean, baseball, like it's crazy. Like, but I have to put in that time in order to know what I'm talking about so I can provide context. Yeah. What's your favorite non-basketball or football sport to watch? My favorite non-basketball football sport to watch is probably like I love watching football like european football just because my my wife played soccer at iu Mm -hmm. i love teams like arsenal and that's on early saturday morning so what happens now is like like the premier league stuff like that like i can't i can't turn off that switch man yeah like so there'll be times i'll be trying to sleep 
to like four thirty-five. Like I'm just up. Mm-hmm. So like for me, being able to watch things that are happening over in Europe and tap in is probably one of my favorite things. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so last time I saw you in Durham, um, you were still handing out buckets for people who don't know. Um, Jay on one still, leg? Yeah, Jake can, can still get buckets on the one leg. So <laughs> are you still hooping up there at the ESPN campus? Man, you know what? I, I got – and congratulations because, you know, you're having one like, – I have I have a child. Yeah. And, um, you know, my daughter's two. And I have a little son on the way, mm-hmm. Zane David through April 5th. So I'm, I'm not hooping as much because I, my body ain't built for it, Dre. I, can't, like, <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> I can't. Um, yo, real talk, I have a punching bag downstairs and I went and I boxed yesterday. I've been sore for two days, yo. Like <laughs> the response rate, the response rate ain't the same. Yeah. You know? yeah. And I got to be honest, man, like we've been spoiled, man. Like when I, when I work out and I come back to the crib and I'm like, yo, how am I going to ice? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I know that feeling, man. I know that feeling. I'll be having like a little Dixie cup with the ice. Yeah, just like, yeah. yeah I'm hand. used to Jose. Give me two bags, yeah, you know. Throw two that, bags on me. Yeah, I got nothing, man. Yeah. I got nothing. So if I don't have the resources, man, I ain't trying to do it. I ain't trying I to do it. Um, <clears throat> so you mentioned, uh, yeah, I'm expecting uh, our first child in April. Um, Congrats, man. I yeah, love that. Dude, yeah, right? Appreciate it. Um, exciting. So how did having your first child, um, your daughter, kind of change you and, and change how you looked at the world? Changed everything. Yeah. Like, I don't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, I've known your wife for a while, too, um, and she's incredible. Like, it just... Like you guys now will come together more than you ever have before and you end up doing everything for your child. Mm-hmm. Like it just gives you a completely different outlook. And there are certain things too that I don't think I've ever been one of these people, but I think I was a little bit maybe more lenient to um, letting people just say what's on their mind without kind of imposing. Are you having a boy or a girl? Boy. Okay, you're having a boy. So like, I have a girl, right? My first, so like, you know, sometimes when you're with the boys, I never found myself like sometimes guys will talk about women in different ways, right? Mm-hmm. And before, like, I would never stop them. Like, I wouldn't say about. I just never like, oh, you guys, whatever. Mm-hmm. Now I'm like, yo, shut up, you're an mm-hmm. idiot. Don't speak that way. Like that could be my daughter, man. Right. Like it's just, it's different. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it, it makes me think too, like about how like selfish I was before. Like, not that I was doing it maliciously, but I wanted to do what I need to do for me. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, I'll have a long day at work and it don't matter how tired I am. My daughter runs up to me. She's like, dad, dad, like, if I don't give her my attention and my time, I'm cheating her and her growth. Yeah. I'm like, damn. Okay. So there'll be a lot of days. I'm like, yo, Jay, when's the last time you did something for yourself? It might be a while, but it's also really rewarding that I'm giving to something that I know I'm going to see the dividends on for a very long time. Yeah. It's a game changer, man. Yeah. It's my little girl. I'm a, I'm a girl's dad, man. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you. Um, so I know you, you do a lot of, uh, you're in a lot of different things outside of just, you know, your day job. Um, yeah. 
why is it so important to be to have that diversification and, and, and financial literacy, um, especially for, you know, any young athletes listening? Well, when are you dropping this? Next week. What day? Probably Wednesday. Is that the third? I think so. It's the third. Yeah. So a day after you drop this, I'm dropping something pretty massive that I'm sitting on the board with. Okay. Um, because I, that, that financial literacy aspect of it is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, Dre, I, obviously that decision altered my life in a lot of different ways, but you know, if it's being part owner of the boardroom with Kevin Durant and Rich Kleiman and building out what that looks like from a sports business perspective and building that into a full fledged business, if it's you know, sitting on the board of this entity that's going to drop on March 4th. Uh, If it's, you know, one of the things that I had to deal with a lot after my accident, I never really understood the process was with was insurance. Mm -hmm. Never really understood insurance Mm -hmm. um, until I had to file for it because of my accident. So investing in insurance companies, uh, working on creating a SPAC, um, start a restaurant in New York City, I'm not saying that's the best investment, but it's still a small restaurant. And we've been able to really change throughout the pandemic. It's about if you have a platform, are you thinking about legacy? And are you thinking about generational wealth, right? Mm -hmm. Doing TV, I could create that to a degree. But what's happening to linear TV, man? It's becoming less and less and less. Yeah. Um, Executive producing things, uh, creating shows. Um, you know, working with different brands on what their, uh, what their strategies are direct to consumer. Like I invested one of the first investments that we did was into this procurement agency where we work with brands. So like, Hey, if you know, one of the, um, one of the projects we have with this, this Island called Nectar cup with Richard Branson. Mm-hmm. Right. So finding like, and next to be one of the sponsors for the Necker cup, like, you know, our company will receive, you know, a 20% fee for the longevity of the deal, right? Like working with brands, building brands into content, finding a way to really capitalize on where the media game is right now, understanding where it's going, mm-hmm. but still kind of being at the forefront of that and bringing deals to athletes, really creating like your own business portfolio, man. That's important. Yeah. Yeah. And utilizing your network to do so. Right. Because at the end of the day, that's why you go to college. You go to college yep. to get a network, mm-hmm. right? Duke provides an incredible network. So as long as you're doing the right thing by people and it's thoroughly thought through, um, that's the whole point of playing for a university like Duke in order to build something with longevity out of it. Right. Absolutely. I appreciate you uh, talking about that a little bit. Um, All good, man. So we've gone over, so I'm going to let you go. But before I let you go, um, we got to get your uh, Duke starting five and a six man to win one basketball game, I need a starting five and a six man. Who are you taking? And you can't just say your O one team. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, Kyrie. Okay. I'm not going to put myself on this list. Why not? I hate, I hate when people do that. I hate <laughs> it. And I, I did it like 10 years ago, and I'm like, I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> Kyrie. Okay. G Hill. Phew. 
Jason Tatum. Okay. I think you're the second guy who's put JT on there. JT. I'm a rock with him just because I never seen somebody grind away that Nolan. Because I'm okay. going that backcourt. Yeah. And I go with Battier. Okay. I go with Shane. Who's your sixth man? I'll have Zion come off the bench. Oof. Great. <laughs> I'm gonna have Zion come off the bench. <laughs> you imagine Zion coming off the bench, like, wait, you come off the bench? <laughs> what the hell is going on here? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's allowed, man. That that wouldn't be too fair. Well, like, I'm, um, I'm gonna use Zion the right way. You know what I mean? Like, are we talking college Zion or are we talking NBA Zion right now? Because I just want to make sure I manage Zion's minutes right. <laughs> college, yeah, it's well, college only. Right. College only. Yeah. I yeah, got no, it. Yeah, that that that'll be that'll be a formidable squad for sure. For sure, It'll be a tough squad. Yeah. All right, Jay. Uh, appreciate you coming on today, man. Um, thanks for taking some time out of your day. Um, get a little nap in or something if that's what you do. I know you've been up <laughs> for a while now. Much love and respect, Ray. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. And congratulations again on your son, man. We got to pick a name. You're not telling nobody. Um, yeah, yeah. We got a name, but we'll announce when he gets here. Yeah, first one. I'm down. <laughs> Congrats, man. Appreciate it, man. <laughs>